Hey, this is Sabrina Marie, host of the Building Abundance Success Series. Our spotlight is on history. My guest is Emmy Award-winning executive producer, Tracy Washington Bagley. She is set to produce a new film, Nico Newark. It talks about the gripping of Newark, New Jersey, the city, in 1967. And it looks through the eyes of young people in that community and how they are affected by various tragedies of racism, death, and corruption. This is an awesome topic and very timely for the times we are in today. Tracy Washington Bagley and I are coming at you right now. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for being with us tonight. We are talking to Tracy Washington Bagley, and she is an Emmy-winning producer. Let us know a little about yourself, where you're from, and what you do. So I'm, um, uh, I call myself a New York City, Long Island kid who um, graduated from Ohio University, and there I graduated, but prior to graduation, I obtained a lot of experience in radio and television production. Um, I started my career mainly in sales and news. Um, I was one of the first African-American women to work for News 12 Long Island, which was a the nation's first 24-hour regional uh, news operation. And from there, I went to um, Philadelphia at an ABC-owned station and really sunk my teeth into programming. Uh, I got to produce a teen magazine show, a special called Children First, um, and I was there for 10 years. I also um, produced for a show called Visions, which was focused on the African-American community. And eventually, um, I headed home, and I was hired by ABC in New York, and I got to produce with the legendary Gil Noble, who was the host of the program, the longest-running African-American program in the nation called Like It Is. And it actually grew out of the civil rights movement. movement. It was launched in uh, 1967. And so I worked with Gil as a producer for 10 years. And uh, when he passed away, Channel 7 wanted to continue its uh, focus on the African-American issues and interests. And we created Here and Now, which is the program I produce now with uh, the host, Sandra Bookman, who's also Eyewitness News reporter and anchor. So we kind of continue the work um, that Gil, Gil Noble started. Uh, it's more of a magazine show, so we cover current issues, Lifestyle issues, entertainment, um, anything to do with health, uh, particularly health disparities given what we just went through with COVID. Um, we've had celebrities on. We, we keep a watch on all the gun violence that's plaguing our cities and around the nation. Um, but we also like to not just focus on the negative, but okay, so here's a problem, but here are the people that are on the ground making making a difference, so it's boots on the ground. So it's the problem, it's the solution, and then those that are benefiting from it. I, I do like to shine a light on the good and not just the bad because we tend to get um, we tend to um, get all the negative uh, stories about people of color versus all the achievements, and there are a lot of good stories out there. There are. There are. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of the black history um, that you've talked about with the producers and um, innovators and the pioneers, 
uh, in New York and uh, really uh, right now we are looking at well a lot of the same things my people were uh, greatly affected by the 1967 my grand people great grand folks uh, 1967 riots that uh, you know happened all over I'm from New Brunswick New Jersey but mm-hmm. the riots happened before my time and you're doing a documentary on the 1967 riots in Newark and if you look at many of these riots a lot of it is based off frustrated people poverty um, it, many of the things that we're looking at right now in the news almost every week exactly it's relevant what was going on in the 60s is quite relevant today um it's not a documentary it is a short film so but it is based on a true story so we are getting people to think about what happened during that time but it's it's basically a coming of age story um about how um children kids handled um their relationships during a tumultuous time, which is um, pretty typical. You know, kids don't always see race while the, the parents, the adults, are going through something different. Right. Sometimes. Or many yeah, times. Yeah, the socioeconomics. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. right. And what um, brought you to want to explore this particular topic? Well, it, the, um, the, the program of the the production was actually um, brought to me, and they, the producers who had already been scouting for a director um, asked me if I'd be interested in directing it. I'd always wanted to direct a film. Um, I've done, you know, mostly producing and writing and directing in a sense. I produced the first and directed the first reality show in the nation called Houston Medical, which was an mm-hmm. ER series. So I uh-huh. really try to sunk my teeth into directing um, real-life situations. I was in a hospital for two years at a trauma center supervising, um, you know, television crews. So in the back of my mind, even though I produced documentaries and magazine shows, I was thinking, wow, it would be great to, um, to direct a scripted um, series or a scripted production. And so when they approached me, I said, wow, this kind of brings my my um, career kind of almost like um, all together in a sense that there will be um, real, you know, it's, it's based on a real story. So there's the background of what really happened, but it's a scripted um, short film. And I've always had a soft spot for kids. I won mostly all my Emmys based on programs that I produced for children, for youth. So it just kind of all comes together. So this is a very important project for me. As for 1967, can you, you may have been here, refresh our audience's um, memory if some remember. What was it like back then? What were the, um, what was the climate in so your life. A lot, okay, so many people don't know. Um, there were riots all over the city, based I mean, all, all over the nation, based on different events that were happening in major cities. So a lot of times when people think of the civil rights era, they think mostly about what was going on in the South. But there were, um, you know, many incidents 
of rioting, protesting up north. And Newark didn't get as much coverage as, let's say, Chicago or L.A. riots. But that particular um, time and that what what ended up happening in Newark was ignited by uh, an altercation between a Newark police officer and an African-American taxi um, driver who was beaten pretty badly. He didn't die, but he was beaten pretty badly, and that ignited the riots. And so that is the nucleus of this story. But the viewers or the audience will experience it through the lives of two boys, one who is Greek and one who is African-American. In our cities, uh, even today, uh, when you find a lot of this violence that's going on, the response of uh, people who are addressing it, aren't people of color. Um, Even some of the unfortunate incidences that have happened in the protests that have happened Mm -hmm. over the last, say, seven, eight years, let's just go back a couple decades. (laughs) Well, the the police departments, uh, responders and whatnot, aren't people of color. And um, I know from just um, history and studying history with my minor in college, when you are the first and, you know, because of uh, whether it be affirmative action or whatnot being promoted, uh, reading the story of what happened in Newark, they were supposed to actually promote people of color, black uh, officers, to help address the situation. I wanted to ask you, why don't we have more community policing? Because it seems like if we don't have people from the neighborhood we get these uprisings. I'm not sure why we don't have more community policing, but I know in New York, the new mayor, Eric Adams, is moving in that direction. And and even more so to hire more officers that look like the people that they're policing. I think that that connection is very important. You, um, from what I understand, started working in media um, when some of our African-American women were first hired to be on-air anchors. Do you remember that period? Yes, I do. I was the only African-American woman out in the field for News 12 Long Island. So I was a camera assistant. I ran a a live, what we call an ENG truck. And even in the newsroom, there were very few, if any, black. I may have been the only one. Eventually, I became a producer. There There were definitely... Black women on air in front of the camera, not a lot, but there were some. But I do remember that time, yes. Who's the first anchor, black woman or man anchor you remember on television? Probably Melba Tolliver on Channel 7 Eyewitness News. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, and um, in terms of the changing world of media, and you still being a part of that, um, have did the change over in actually having African Americans on air and behind the camera? Did it come swiftly, or was it just a process for a while? For me personally, or in general, both. For me personally, I would say it took 
Well, I, when I graduated from Ohio University, I already had about four solid years of experience. And then it took me another four years, so almost a decade, to convince, well, at this one particular um, job, I had to actually go in and talk to the president and say, I think I deserve a chance to produce, to get a chance to produce. And I noticed that my white counterparts were being given that opportunity, and I was being second-guessed. And then finally they allowed me to produce a four-hour live newscast, um, and I recall the executive producer apologizing to me and saying, I should have given you a chance earlier. You're really good at what you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was wondering how long that process actually took uh, for African-American women uh, especially uh, with you know behind the camera and before the camera. Now I'm, your daughter, go ahead. Yeah, no, it definitely took a long time. Do you regret have any regrets, or are you are you happy with how things turned out in the end? No, I I really don't have any regrets because I ended up. Uh, working in so many different areas, particularly in the field. As I mentioned, I was in the field as a um, camera assistant, a sound tech, running an ENG truck. So by the time I got to the level of producing, I had a real understanding of what it took for my um, team to actually broadcast a program or to create a program. So it actually worked out for me, and I had a really, I had really great mentors. Um, and they weren't necessarily African-American. Art Moore, who is the program director for Channel 7, he told me early on when I graduated from Ohio University he, that he believed in me, and he knew that someday I would be a really good producer. I didn't necessarily believe it, but he saw something in me, and just by saying that, it inspired me. And um he directed me to apply for a position at ABC in Philadelphia, and the rest is history. I've been with ABC for 32 years. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. Now, the project you're working on right now, you are now just casting this, so you're in the beginning stages of the production? We're almost fully, you know, um, back with our actors, but, yes, we are uh, in the midst of getting it started. Hopefully we will be um, will actually be uh, on set in a couple of weeks. That sounds exciting. Yeah, and it's interesting that it's coming coming uh, from an um, uh, I guess a mindset or a perspective of uh, a younger individual growing up during that time. Correct. Definitely. I, want, I think that awesome. that's, that's yeah. going to make for an interesting perspective, you know. During the riots, because I, I wasn't around, how long did it take for some of these cities, uh, especially the ones on the East Coast, to actually get back to normal? I know that there were outbreaks in Philly and, and other places. Um, how long? I was ever... a child during this time. Um, uh -huh. I, I was... You know, I was born in the 60s, but I was a little girl. So I only kind of remember a glimpse of the news. Um, but it just depended on the city. I mean, a lot of these riots were ongoing, and um, it just depended on where you lived and how it was handled. And a lot of the damage um, was not even, you know, 
uh, tended to until years later. They just let the cities just kind of, you know, crumble and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In terms of production, you have this in in um, in production right now about uh, the 1967 riots. What are some of the other things that you are you know want to share with us and are working on concerning the film? It could be the film. It could be something else. Uh, well, we will hopefully once the film is complete. We plan to um, enter it into a film festival. And, That'd be great. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The sky is the limit. The idea is that this will be a launching pad for a series. So, fingers crossed. Oh, for sure. I know it'll be wonderful. I, I'm, and don't for, uh, don't forget to let us know uh, when it premieres, you know, because... Um, you know, and I, I say that because my family, great, my great grandpeople in Detroit were involved in the well, Detroit riots. They were just in, an, uh, they didn't want to participate, but unfortunately they were affected by what happened there. And it took decades and it's still not, the area is still right. not back to where it was before. Right. right. And we're talking, yeah, decades. Yeah, we're, we're talking, yeah, we're talking 50 years. And, mm-hmm. you know, the reason why I, I wanted to have this is, is because many times where you have the black businesses and a thriving black community, uh, these riots tend to break out, but they're not right. easily built back. Right. So they end up hurting themselves in a sense, but that's not always the case. I think for the most part, most of the businesses are not run by people that look like you know, the people that are, are causing the damage. But at the same time, the little man does get hurt. There's a lot of times, you, and I'm sure you've seen, even during the George Floyd um, protest, there were signs mm-hmm. out in front of black businesses so that, you know, people would know black-owned business in the hope right. that they wouldn't be destroyed, you know? Yeah, that's what happened in Washington, D.C. Um, several black businesses had to do that just to survive, the riots and, you know, several of them who are still in business today um, right. talk about that, that history. Thank you so much for being with us. I wanted you to have the floor to tell the audience anything you'd like for us to know, not just about the project, but any anything um, else that you may have coming up. Well, on a weekly basis, I produce a program called Here and Now. It actually streams on the ABC7 NY app. And so um, we have an hour show. We're the only African-American focused hour-long show. I said that twice. Um, and um, you can watch it anywhere. So you don't have to just be in our area. That's the beauty of streaming. And, uh, again, I'll give the website, abc7ny.com, backslash here and now. And do you have a website for the upcoming project? Uh, com, but I don't believe it's up yet. I probably shouldn't say that. You want me to repeat that again? Yeah, repeat that, and then as thing, as time goes by, when I start to see more press about it, I can actually add it. Yes, our website is com. Awesome. Thanks so much for being with me. Letting me know about this project is so important for us to get 
perspectives on not only that time, but um, for historical purposes so people can actually learn from these experiences. And prayerfully, um, there'll be a dialogue and we can get to a better place moving forward. Yes, I appreciate you having me on. And I look forward to talking to you in the future. Thanks so much. Be blessed. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.